Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Your host, Roger Abel, back with Elias Randall. Elias, the first week of NFL football is down. I guess there's Monday night left. Are you are you a Cowboys fan? If I remember, yep. go Cowboys! Wow, I'm not. I'm a terrible fan. I don't even know if they won last night. I think they were playing good at one. Did point. Did they win? Uh, they won forty to nothing, and I think they had like eight or nine sacks. They had two pick sixes in the first quarter, and all I know because my fantasy team was looking great until I went up against. The Dallas defense, who had 37 points in fantasy football last night. Well, good. They got, yeah, they have a lot of good players. I recorded it. I probably will watch it. Um, Honestly, busy last night, though. It might be one of the most impressive defense performances I've ever seen. It's bananas. Good. I mean, good. the amount of pressure they had on the quarterback, every he, he had no time to pass. It was unbelievable. I'm sure people who watched the game were like, what is happening? I mean, it was like. It's like the varsity playing the sophomore team. If you're a Giants fan, I'm sorry, but that's how it went down last night. Yeah, did you watch any college football this weekend? Well, I mean, I watched the game of the week, Iowa State. Yeah, well, it's good Good for the Hawks. Bring the Cyhawk trophy back, back home where it belongs. Well, you know, my father-in-law is like a big Cyclone fan. I'm like, I mean, I told him, I'm like, you're welcome to come back to the other side whenever you want. I mean... He's like, well, we won last year. I'm like, yeah, you guys have got to win once a decade. Your father-in-law, isn't your father-in-law an alum of Iowa? No, no, no. Oh. I think, um, what's the one in Kirksville, Missouri? Northwest Missouri State, Truman State, I don't know. One of that, that school down in. Oh. Uh, For some reason, I thought he went to Iowa. Well, when I met my wife, he was a Hawkeye fan. But he's defected over the time. And, um. Yeah, he's he's true. He bleeds at that crimson and gold, I guess. But um, I told him it was okay. You can come back whenever you want. And I, hey, I got nothing. I have no problem with Iowa State outside of that one game. I root for them all year long. I want yeah, all I the in-state stool, schools to do great. But that's the game that that I want the Hawkeyes to win. Interestingly enough, Brian Ferentz is farther away from his twenty-five point average. I know. I think he's surprising. averaged like twenty-six or twenty-seven a game. Yeah, it was kind of surprising that they kind of went into clock, run the clock down, real conservative mode in the second half, and they're they're supposed to be scoring points. So I don't know. You know, I don't know how much. Sometimes I I don't know how much say really that Brian has in the whole situation. McNamara missed a couple receivers who were wide open. I mean, yeah, six point. I mean, there could have been two that were long plays that he just overthrew him or underthrew a guy, but. Uh, Hey, man, win's a win. Going to take time to get in the groove. But the clock management thing, I think that's just a Kirk Ferentz deal. Like, you think about his goal, his goal is just have the chance to win on the last possession. Like, let me win on the last possession. And if we're up, that's fine. You can get within six points. We're good. Our defense is going to stop you, and our defense look good. Yeah, they did. They really do. They're, the they defensive they line, always play very good on defense. The defensive the line looked way better. In the first game of the year, I was a little concerned about the defensive line after the first game, but Hawkeyes They're actually kind of came to play. But first thing let's talk about today is um, I was reading uh, Northwest Mutual put out a publication, and um, they were talking about the well-being of individuals, 
and 43% of Americans cite outliving their savings as a major retirement concern. The other thing that came out is uh, the Federal Reserve released their 2022 Economic Well-Being report, and only 54% of adults have three months of an emergency account out there, which I'll be honest with you. I was surprised that 54% of the people had a three-month emergency account. I actually you was. Were surprised. You thought that's a, a lot? That's higher thought, than you I thought actually, it would be? I think it's higher. I thought it was higher than it would be. So, I mean, while that's bad, it means 50% of people are actually planning for something unexpected. Here's what's ironic. And, you know, we're big followers of, we follow Dave Ramsey and, you know, we help a lot of his listeners. The average unexpected emergency in America runs seventeen hundred dollars. You know what the problem with that is? That that baby step with Dave is a thousand dollars in the emergency account. That's never been increased for inflation. You know, you might want to think about having a little bit more there if you're if you if you follow that program. That is true. I think some of that though, making it I think some of it is psych the psychology of it of having a very small achievable goal. I think part of it is, I mean, realistically, that's really not uh, a sufficient emergency fund. But if you're someone who, like, if you're on the end of the spectrum where credit cards, vehicles, just all that stuff that you cannot save any money, just the fact that you could save $1,000 is... Get you going. Yes, it just gets you going. And a lot of times, bigger goals are much more achievable if you have small task along the way to get you there. So you're going to appreciate this. Have you ever seen, there's a video by a Marine and he talks about, Hey, why, you know, the Marine Corps, the army, first thing you do is make your bed in the morning. You ever seen that? Yeah. It's the first task of the day. There you go. It starts getting you rolling. Once you accomplish one thing, it's easier to do the next and the next and the next. So, you know, my wife and I are thinking about moving in about like a year and a half. And we're like everybody else. We buy stuff and we hoard it and we save all this crap we don't use anymore. And it's everywhere. And my wife goes, how are we going to start doing this? I said, you know what we should do? Tackle the easiest task first. Let's write down what's the absolute easiest thing we can do today and get the first thing done. And the next thing will be easier and the next thing will be easier. So I came up with this idea. We're going to snowball the like organization Your of our clutter. house. Yeah. And get to like the biggest project, which is, you know, the downstairs storage room where everything goes. I'm like, well, let's just start with that drawer right there. The junk drawer that would be easy. Probably just throw everything away. That's why it's called the junk drawer. That's a great, that's I mean, a great starting place too. Cause what's like typically in a junk, a junk drawer, there's like what napkins, mustard packets, some soy sauce packets. Well, that's just, that all oh, that. You got That's, a different place for that? Well, yeah, our junk drawer is 37 pens, a few scratch pads, tape, glue. And then we go to, like, the food storage drunk door, junk, drunk door, junk drawer, which is all, like you said, all the little condiments, all the miscellaneous stuff. But you're right. It's all about just getting things started. And once you get it started, it's easier to do the next and the next and the next. So I thought today it'd be good to talk about, you know, some things we can do to help people get a higher sense of financial security. And one is kind of what we just talked about, Elias, is creating goals and priorities. If you start to lay out what the goal and priority is, um, it's really hard to accomplish anything if there's not an end goal. And we've talked about this, and I think you'll agree. If someone comes in and says, I, I want to be rich, 
okay, what is that? Like, or I want to save money. What are you saving money for? Like saving money to save money. It's not intentional. But if you say I'm saving money so I can retire when I'm 62 years old and I want to spend 8,000 a month. Okay. Now we have a goal. Now we can be very intentional about how we do it. So starting and setting goals is the number one thing people need to do to become financially secure. Without a goal, it's not real. I remember when I was in high school, our baseball coach made us set our goals for the season. And then we had to write them down in three different places. It's required. So everybody had their goals on the bill of their cap. So every time you took your cap off, you saw what your three goals are. In your locker room, you had a sticky note with your goals. And then he had everybody at, in your bathroom, at your house, sticky note with your goals. So you saw it three times a day, pretty much. Like if you're a baseball practice, you're taking your hat on and off. You wake up, you see it, you show up to baseball, you see it. So the goal became real. But if someone tells me I have a goal, they've never written it down. It's not really a goal. It's a, more of a wish or a want. What if you use a, a spreadsheet? Does that count as writing it down if written you type down. it? Yeah, it's real. So that's a real goal. Well, I mean, okay, Elias, if I said, hey, I'm going to move to the Bahamas. Great. When are you doing that? I haven't written it down, so it's not real. <laughs> but, yeah, you have to write it down for it to be real. Um, the second thing, if you have a partner in life, you have to make sure your goals are kind of centric. So if my goal is to move to the Bahamas, which it's not, I'm just using it as an example, and my wife says to go to Colorado, might have a problem. So you have to make sure we agree on the goals. And, you know, you see this a lot when people first get married. I think this is important. I know when I got married, um, our church made us go through like a weekend retreat with your partner. And it's just get everything out there. Like, hey, what are your goals? How much debt do you have? How do you want to treat money? And get on the same page before you go into this like commitment and not know what you're getting into. Because, you know, if your relationship with money is a lot different than your partner, that's probably going to lead to some problems down the road. Can lead to major problems too. And I think financial worries and stress is the number one cause of divorce, I believe. I'm sure. And you know what? I, I would venture to guess a lot of that one right there could have been avoided if day one you made sure you're on the same page. So if one person wants to save for retirement, the other person's like, I don't want anything to do with this. How's that going to work out? It's not. Sticky situation. Yeah, because the person saving retirement is going to be resentful that the other person's not doing it. Likely in that household, they're treating their money separately because the person who wants to be responsible wants to be responsible. So like, well, I'm not going to share with you. And it just goes down a slippery slope. So make sure that your partner or whoever your teammate is, you guys are on the same, the same page. Step three to being financially secure is got to live below your means and start a budget. It's impossible to be financially secure if you live above your means. And this for a lot of people, Elias means a real look in the mirror about where you're at. A lot of people that living above their means don't think they are, or don't really realize they are. It's kind of sad. They're like, well, I make a lot of money so I can do X. 
Okay. Well, first, we got to define what a lot of money is. Right. That's different to different people. It, no, that's you're exactly right. But the way you live be below your means. It, I'm not I mean when I say below your means, it doesn't mean you have to live like a poor person. It just means if you make two hundred thousand a year, you don't get to spend two thirty. Right. I mean, I mean, seriously, it means yeah, that, that math is on. If you make 200, you spend 230, you're going to have problems. People do it. That math is on. People do it all the time. Right. They yeah. float it on the debt. And now with where interest rates are, it's becoming harder to float that lifestyle. It's easy to float that lifestyle when interest rates were zero. You buy a house at 2.75, zero percent on a car. Credit cards are nothing. Eight percent. Well, now credit cards are 22 and home rates are seven and a quarter. That line of credit you have that you've been living off is eight and a half or 9% now. Like all the interest is ticking. Mm-hmm. So you got to live below your means, have a budget. And what, what a budget really does is define what your means are. It gives you parameters. Hey, if my paycheck is $8,000 a month after tax, then my bills better be 8000 a month after tax. Otherwise, you live Above your means. Four. Yeast. Got to make it easy to track your spending. I mean, tracking spending today is as easy as it's ever been. You can go download QuickBooks, Quicken, Mint, Pocket Guard, Good Book. I mean, there's so many ways to track your spending that if you don't know where it's going, that's your fault. I mean, it is literally like at the tip of your fingers. Is on. Everybody has one of these. It's on your phone. You got to track your spending to know where it's going. Five, stop splurges before they start. This is actually really hard in today's society. What are splurges people now see as necessity. For instance, you know, I can afford this coffee, but is this a necessity? No, it's a splurge. But people see this as, hey, I have to have my Starbucks or I have to have my Chick-fil-A or my Poncheros or whatever your little vice is, people see that as a necessity part of life. They do. See, I just drink the the company-sponsored coffee out what, in the coffee pot. It looks like you're double-fisting it over there today. Yeah, I grabbed two this morning. <laughs> but I can definitely afford the coffee that's free well, in the work coffee pot. So I you know, this is about two weeks ago. I think I talked about this on the last podcast. I was talking to a friend of mine. And he's like, man, I just don't think my kids will ever be able to afford to buy like a house. They can barely afford to live. I'm like, that's not true. I asked him, I said, when you were 23 starting out, how many times a week did you go out to eat? Well, none. Going out to eat wasn't a thing 30 years ago. Not my, like it is today. My family, I remember if we went out or typically going out to eat would be like going to Chi-Chi's and getting tacos maybe like once a month or Pizza Hut. And most of the time it was because I'd got a free personal pan pizza from the book club at school. Like that was our out to Does eat. Does anyone dine in at Pizza Huts anymore? I remember doing it as a kid, but I don't know if people still do that. Brad and I did it a couple years ago. Wow. Was anyone else in there? Yeah. I think was we were it? in, um, I believe we were in Port Clinton, Ohio. We were fishing. It was actually kind of fun get a pitcher of beer and they bring your pizza out to you. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it brings back like the nostalgic memories of when you're nine years old, except, you know, the pitcher of beer used to be a pitcher of pop. Um, but you know, pizza hut had like that really great thick crust, greasy. That was good. I like, yeah, I like pizza, pizza still to this day. I like it. 
but you got to determine what a splurge is. And, you know, it's not even just a splurge at um, restaurants. It's the grocery store. If you look at what people buy at the grocery store today, I mean, I know you can spend $10 on the little thing of hummus. It's good, but there's a $3 one next to it. So you got to stop the splurges. If you're trying to live below your means, can't figure it out. You got to figure out how to cut some cut some fat here. Uh, step six, take advantage of opportunities to save. So where can you save money that adds up to a lot? Clothing, food you can save money on, business lunches, conferences. You know, I like to go out to lunch. How much could I save if I didn't, if I was, if I was living above my means, the first thing I do is cut the business lunch. How many people go out to lunch every day because they don't want to pack a lunch for work? Probably quite a few. So there's ways to, to save money. And one of the things I do, and like when I buy my clothes, I actually look for sales because I like one brand and it's fairly expensive. Well, I know they're going to have a half off sale. So when it goes half off, I just buy a bunch of it. Like You're I hardly a, ever, you are a bargain shop. I'm not a bargain shopper, but on that I am because I know it's going to become half off. And why wouldn't I just buy it for half off? Every pair of swimming trunks I own are half off. That's a good thing. Cause swimming trunks just get abused. It's not like you yeah. take care of them, right? You just, but I want nice ones and yeah. I'm not willing to pay what they cost to buy them new. So I buy them half off. Um, the, and the seventh step to kind of building financial security is if you need more income, you can find it. You know, there's second jobs today with the, the side hustle economy and the gig economy. It's easy, easier than ever to get an extra paycheck if you need to get it. So those are just seven quick ways. If you're struggling, thinking about how do I save more money? How do I get ahead financially? Those are seven ways that you can start working at becoming more um, financially secure, Elias. And speaking of opportunities to save, our next topic today is about 401ks and target date funds. And then the headline here that I saw was 401k investors are clueless, but is that a bad thing? So just in general, before I dive into the topic, I, I would be someone that would tell you the, the 401k is one of the greatest savings tools of all time. I think there's probably more people that have accumulated a million dollars or more in their 401k account, probably than any other account that's out there. And some of the great things about it, when you're participating in one, you really don't have to know anything about the stock market or the bond market or any of this, the behind the scenes things that go with our financial and capital markets. And, you know, today, a lot of plans are using auto enrollment. So people are getting enrolled with some sort of, it's usually probably just to get the match. Um, but there's auto enrollment. Some plans have auto um, escalation of contribution, meaning you can tell the program, I want to increase my saving 1% every year for the next five years. And a lot of times people will set that up in line with their raises. So then, you know, you get a 4% raise, 1% goes to the retirement, so on and so forth. Um, so there's a lot of really, really great things. And I think, and I don't, I don't think people should feel it's bad if you don't really know about investing, especially if you're willing to admit, hey, I don't really know about this. I don't want to take the time to learn about it. And, and I think that's why there's, 
you can make a very good argument that target date funds is a good way to invest over the long term. And some of those are they're being professionally managed. So a target date fund offered in a 401k will have a portfolio manager making decisions. Um, you know, is everything, is it the most efficient way to invest? Probably not. I can make an argument that a target date fund is going to make you too conservative too early in your investing career, at least in my opinion, in my philosophy of investing. Um, Here's what I think about target date funds. If you don't want to put any work into this, that's fine. But outside of that, I don't know if that's the right investment for you or not. It could be the greatest investment on the planet. But unless you've figured out what portfolio you need to be financially successful and hit the goals that you've created, just like we talked about, I don't know if it's good or not. It could be the worst investment you make. Could be. I don't know what I don't know what you need to do. So if it's just a default option and you're a person who doesn't want to put any effort into this, fine. You don't have to. But for most people, people don't even know what the target date fund is, Elias. That's the problem with target date funds. If I ask somebody, what do you think a 2025 target date fund is? They'd say, oh, it's a conservative fund. And That's I, what they tell me. I was just, yeah, I was going to bring that up. 50% yeah. stock, 50% bonds, typically. I think most people, if you said, is that conservative? They'd call that balanced and not conservative. So it gives people a false sense. Me personally, there's only one place I use a target date fund in my personal investing. And that's my kid's 529 plan. Yeah, because it's that, not an account that you're opening and looking at. It's not my money. I mean, it is. It's for them. I'm not going to manage it. It is what it is. And what I don't want to have happen is my youngest or my oldest turns 17 years old. The market goes down 45% and my account goes down 45%. I don't want to put effort into that. So I don't. It's just a systematic. It keeps going. It is what it is. That's the only reason I do it because the goal is 18. I know what has to happen at 18. We're distributing the money. A yes. 401k plan, you turn 65. You don't know what's happening at 65. I don't know. So think about target date fund for a person who's retiring. Okay, well, I turned 65. How long does this have to last? 30 years. Well, you don't know. Yeah, it could be we don't four. have the answer, but could it be easily six, could, could be, be eight, 30. right? Yeah. A, f a college savings 529 plan, how long does it have to last and what does it have to pay for? Well, hopefully four years and four. no more than like eight if you're going to get an advanced degree. Well, I mean, hopefully you're a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Tommy Boy, that wasn't the case. But um, it, it's just the 529 plan is so much more defined as to what it's going to accomplish. Hey, I'm paying for 25000 a year of college for four years. It all has to be distributed. Okay, target date's fine. We know what we have to do. Retirement is ambiguous. You don't know how long it's going to last. You know how much you're going to need. And that's why I really don't think it's that great for 401k investors. They should just go get a financial plan done. I mean, it's fairly easy to do. If you want to do it with us, you just go to our website, btwellshow.com. We put together a retirement income analysis for people all the time. It doesn't have to be this daunting full financial plan. It can literally be, hey, how much do I need to be putting away to hit my goals, and then what's the right asset allocation? You know, sometimes we talk about financial planning. There's really two things we do. We've got this retirement income plan is what one really is, and then you've got the full picture of a retirement plan. It's really two different things. But a retirement, full, in, retirement income planning, 
Yes, it's an aspect. Yes, it's part of a financial plan, but in a worst case, get a retirement income plan done. That's not a sales or that's not a product. That's just how much money do I have to put away? What's the appropriate asset allocation for me to reach my goals that I'm assuming I'm going to have? Yeah, I I like that. And, and, And retirement doesn't have the defined time horizon like a 529 does. And really... And this is something we coach up clients on. When you retire, that's an event. That's not your life. Like, that's not your time horizon of your life, right? But once you define once you define the income you need, the lifestyle you want, that's how we can get through a plan dialed in. This is the risk you could or should be taking. This is the strategy that we should implement. Um, but I think for if you want to put absolutely no effort in, Target date is totally fine. Um, but I think if you want to be, have some intention to your goals and you want to have a plan, you want to know that you're doing the right things, you're probably not going to elect to go the route of, of the target date fund. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things that, you know, I think stops people from doing some of the financial planning and putting the effort into figuring out what they need to do is that right now people in their 40s and 50s, which is arguably when people start to really think about this. I mean, yeah, we have the people who are in their 20s and 30s who are thinking about retirement, but the planning for people starts in their 40s and 50s. And people in their 40s and 50s today are actually hit with this other, what I, not a problem, just a challenge. And that's that they're really called the sandwich generation. Have you ever heard of this? Yes, because they're helping the sandwich generation refers to you're helping older parents and taking care of your children, right? That's yeah. what it refers to. So in many cases, you know, if you find a person in their fifties, they could still have kids at home because today kids I mean, there's still kids that leave home at eighteen, but there's a lot of kids who are home at twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five partly because of the cost of living. And if you're not married and have a significant other, maybe that makes sense if your parents will let you stay there and get ahead financially. But at the same time, people are living longer. So they might have a mom or a dad living with them in the same house. So over the last 50 years, the number of people living in what we call multi-generational homes is quadrupled. Think about that. Four times as many people have their kids and their parents in the house as they did 50 years ago. So basically 50 years ago, parents didn't come live with their kids and kids left the house when they were 18, right? They went to the military, they went to college, they went and did something where today they're just not. So they're just getting so much pressure from above and below and they have to figure out how to hit their retirement goals and support everybody else. 58% 58% of households um, had had one adult child at home. Think about that. 50%? 58%. Wow. I mean, and here's the problem with surveys. How long have they been there? Because I know that we built a house, I don't know, eight years ago, and we had to go stay with my in-laws for eight months. Or not eight months, but for a month. I'm sorry. <laughs> That'd be way too long because we were in between getting a house, getting our house built and our house being sold. And we had two dogs and two kids. And there's no one month rental that's anywhere nice in this town with two dogs and two kids for a month other than a hotel, um, which became my in-laws 
place. But I think that's Grandma one of the, and Grandpa's place. They'll take you in. I mean, we always kind of joke, Elias, because my father-in-law always really appreciates when we come and stay for a little while because that means that, you know, we enjoy a couple beverages every night together. And back, you know, eight years ago, we'd have a nice bowl of ice cream every night together and we'd play ping pong in the garage and, you know. We loved it. Yeah, we, we basically became like uh, like an event that we showed up for. But I think that's one of the things that people in their 40s and 50s are struggling with is how do I balance my own retirement, my kids being here, and also trying to take care of my parents? Because people are living longer. So the longer they live, the more care they actually need. And we've, we've been able to keep people alive a lot longer than ever before. The problem is we just can't help the mind. We can't help how people move that much. Um, it's become a stress, you know, on people. And part of it is, you know, how do we just get people started on the, the right foot from a young age? Well, one thing to consider, and it's not sometimes overlooked, but you can do, because, you know, we're talking this sandwich generation. So how can you help kids and grandkids potentially an account to not forget about and overlook would be a Roth IRA for kids who are working summer jobs. It would, you know, it would technically be a custodial if they're not the age of majority yet, but, but here's some of the basics. For What's it. age of majority mean? Cause you know, we talk about this stuff a lot of times. I should people, probably. Yeah. So you know, like 18, I know, but if you're younger than 18. Okay. Thank you. When you're younger than 18, you are considered to not be an adult yet. So this would be, you know, this is, you know, a 15 year old kid gets a job at a grocery store in town, or maybe they're uh, doing some detasseling, just whatever it might be. And they have some income to help try to teach them some savings habits and, uh, and and good investing behavior as well. You can open a Roth account in their name. The parent or grandparent can be the custodian of it, meaning like they're really in charge of it, but it's for the benefit of the child. And it's a, it's really a way that you can start seeding some longer term savings and, and investment accounts. And there's some cool things I've seen people do over the years. They'll do, um, you know, they'll say, Hey, if you make X amount and then you save some of it, we'll do a match. If you're going to put a thousand dollars in, I'll give you a thousand dollars to put in it and things like that. So, and you can also incentivize some of that stuff too. That there are some, you know, the, there are some considerations when you put money in that Roth account. Like that is long term money. Um, it would be subject to a penalty to take it out before fifty nine and a half. But to at least to do a little bit, and I think the I think the reason the custodial Roth or the minor Roth, whatever you want to call it, gets overlooked a lot of times people first think of the college savings and it's really going to depend on the family, but you know, maybe a college savings account isn't the direction your family wants to go. Maybe, uh, maybe helping a younger person get started with, uh, with a Roth account would be better for your family, but it's, you know, maybe it's just, it's something that should not be overlooked. And there's at least some things to consider when, when you're thinking about that. And it's a very good way as part of the sandwich generation to help the younger generation kind of set them, set them up for success. So one thing I always think about when I do this is 
this is maybe the greatest tool you could give your kids, your grandkids is teaching them how to do this. And I, I just went on to the internet. I typed in, um, say we had a nine year old, 10 year old who worked all summer for their parents' business, right? Cause they could work all summer and you could pay them work all year, whatever. A $6,500 contribution one time. I mean, that's it. You put 6,500 bucks in one time, deferred it for 60 years. So let's say this is a seven year old, whatever, doesn't matter. Defer it for 60 years at a 9% compounded annual return, which yes, I know we're not gonna make nine every year, but if I plug this into a, a, a smarter calculator, it'd probably give us a different amount. But 6.5% at 9% a year for 60 years is $1.1 million, tax-free. That's a one-time? That's a one-time, 6,500 bucks. So guess how everybody can make your kids a millionaire? A custodial or a huff and a one-time contribution. I mean, think about it. It's all yeah. it takes. Yeah. Now, obviously, in 60 years, a million dollars is not what it is today, right? But arguably, it might do better than this based upon the actual performance of the investments. Could do, could do worse too, but most people be like, that's a home run. But what if you go further and now all of a sudden you get your kids set up in the systematic savings plan because they, they said, hey, man, this is cool. Maybe I'll save 50 bucks a month. And they do that for their whole life. Do you know what that turns into? Okay, so it's a one time of sixty five hundred bucks. That was one point one million, and then you add fifty bucks a, a month. month. Fifty Just bucks. Fifty a month. That's only six hundred a year. Two point yeah. four million. I mean, All anyone our, anyone can save fifty dollars a month. If you can't, you got to look at what you're doing. Get a look in the mirror. Remember, we talked about living above your means. Right. If if you can't save fifty bucks a month, you got to look in the mirror. My babysitters make more than that for one night at my place. I mean, yeah, it's 15 bucks an hour is like not a lot at a job anymore. Three, three hours of work a week. Can you work three hours and save 50 bucks? Everybody can be Probably. really well going. So I think that these are actually a great tool. We have a couple of clients who utilize this with their kids and they're trying to teach them the power of saving money. So they work for family business, they get their paycheck, they get half, the other half gets invested. That's how they do it. It's not a choice. Half gets invested. And I'm sure, and I'm not sure, I know when you're a kid, that just seems like the lamest thing ever, right? You're like, oh, I can't have all my money. But when they're when they're 30, 35 years old and this Roth account is already worth a couple hundred thousand dollars potentially if they keep doing it, they're going to be happy that they have it. You you started them out on the right foot with not a lot of money. You you let compound interest do the work. So, I got to share with everybody one of the coolest ideas I've heard. Have you heard of the Grandpa Savings account? Yeah, I heard about it from Doug Wagner. No, Doug heard it from me. I he brought it up it from you. I brought it up on the show the other okay, night. Okay, he heard it from you, and then I must. Maybe you were on the show with me. Oh, you brought that up. I brought. I thought that up. Doug. Okay. Anyway, no, so yeah, I heard a, about it from you. I have a client who said, "Yeah, well, you know, my my grandkids get the grandpa savings account." I'm like, "What's that?" Gives them ten percent interest. 
So every dollar they put in, he pays 10% interest. Yeah, I want a Be grandpa savings account. Well, too. you know, these are young kids, Elias. It's not like adults. It's, hey, these yeah. are seven, eight, nine, ten, And they're trying to teach their kids and grandkids, hey, look, if you give us a hundred bucks, you basically get a buck a month. And to a little kid, that's a lot of money. Um, it is. You know, my daughter, I've been teaching her about money recently. She plays Roblox all the time. So she wants to buy these Robux, which are fictitious tokens to buy clothes or hair or whatever. She has to pay for them now. 800 Robux is $9.99. So she pulls up the screen. She says, Dad, I want Robux. I'm like, okay, go get your money. I'll match it, but you got to go get your money. And she goes to her room and pulls out the 10 bucks. And then I give her 10 bucks and she gets Robux. <laughs> I said, that's how you want to spend your money. You can do it. But I'm not just, you know, it'd be easy for me to just buy it and let her have it. I make her hand me the cash physically and do it. And like, you know, you could have a Barbie for that, or you could go to go get ice cream twice for that. So we're trying to teach that to her, but the grandpa savings account is a great idea. It is. What is Roblox? Is that a video game? It's like a, yeah, it's a, it's a game on like the iPad or computer. Huh. I don't think my kids are playing that yet. Both my kids play it. They play together because they can go into the same room and play. Wow. So they're literally on two different iPads playing and they're both in the same room. It's it's wild, whatever. It's probably like us playing Nintendo with somebody else. You know, a two-player game is always fun, more fun than one. True, true. So, yeah, I actually, someday I hope my kids do get into playing video. I haven't played video games since I was a college student, but I wouldn't mind having a console at the house and playing on the weekends and stuff. It is fun to do. I just don't have, really have time to do it ever. So one of my... Uh, good college buddies. We literally played video games every day in college and he lives in my, every college kid does. He lives in my, I mean, to the next level, like hours a day. And he lives in my neighborhood. And this is about three years ago. He's like, dude, you got to dust off the Xbox. So I pulled it out. Cause I still had it from college. Cause why would I get rid of anything? Think it's going to work? No. I had that red circle of death. He's like, get a new one. I'm like, nah, can't get a new one but my wife is like if you start playing this you guys are going to play video games every night for like four hours she she knew it was Does he coming. live by you now yeah he just lives down the street from me oh well and now you can just play online with people that wouldn't be the same effect so you would actually go over there and play or have him come over yeah but i'm, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole but with that yeah. said, I want to thank everybody for listening. If somebody's out there looking to get some help with their financial plan, you can go to btwellshow.com. Please follow us on social media. Hope everybody has a great day. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional 